Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So good morning to you once again and happy Palm Sunday. Do you say that? Happy Palm Sunday everybody. The day we remember and celebrate the day our Lord Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a young donkey as our Savior and as our King. Now here's what we're going to do this morning. The people gathered there certainly knew who Jesus was and they were amazed at the things he had accomplished and um, they were responding appropriately to what they had seen by laying their coats on the path as well as, as some palm branches. Um, so as we read earlier, um, both Josh and I read some things about Jesus, um, rode that donkey, um, came past the Mount of Olives down the Kindred Valley and um, entered through the east gate of Jerusalem, uh, the main gate of the time, main gate going into Jerusalem. And the Bible tells us that there were thousands of people there um, gathered proclaiming Jesus as king as he rode into that city on that eventful day. And uh, when we read this historical account, in, it's in all four Gospels, by the way, and that's not always the case with everything that we read. It's an amazing story. It's uh, a beautiful story that I'm, I'm taking for granted that we've all heard, that we all know. Um, how Jesus rode in, he sent his disciples to get, some, uh, get a donkey and come in and um, but how well, I'm going to ask, how well do we actually know this? And how aware are we of what the people in Jerusalem were aware of and what they knew? Like I said, I'm sure we can recite some of the interesting facts that this story tells us, and I'm not dismissing any of that, but there's some amazing lessons that lie just beneath the surface of those words that needs a little bit deeper understanding. And so since they're below the surface, we're going to grab a shovel. I see Reuben there. Maybe you can bring a backhoe in for us so we can dig down in this a little bit farther, a little bit better. The picture then becomes a little bit clearer. Again, not as from a historical standpoint, but as a point of us understanding who Jesus is, who God is, how he works in this world. Um, past several weeks, we've been um, running a series on the names of God, uh, the names of God that he uses to introduce himself um, in the Bible through his words. Again, not as an academic study, so that we can know who it is that we're trusting, know who it is that we're praying to. Um, because what drives me and what motivates me, what keeps me up late at night is I want to know what these people knew. I want to be able to experience what these people experienced. What the people standing there in Jerusalem as Jesus is coming in, what are they thinking? What are, they, what are their past experiences tell them? And um, like I said, we've been seeing this uh, a lot through the Bible. And uh, these stories have a lot more than we see on the surface. And the fact is we miss out on a lot of understanding who, who God is, who Jesus is. Because we need to understand that, especially you know, the gospel writers, especially Matthew and John, um, Jewish people, right? Uh, writing to mostly Jewish people. But um, the other gospel writers as well were writing to people that might not have been, uh, grew up as Jews, but understood the Jewish culture, understood the past uh, things that, so um, my point is that um, John even says it in his gospel, says, you know, uh, we got some precious space here, so we can't give you everything. And so we've got to get the historical background fill in some of these blanks because we just don't understand the culture we don't understand the history like they did and um, I just want to relate that real quick here to us um, if it's if I tell you I went to my dad's house at Christmas time and we sat around the tree and I had my guitar and we sang some carols enough said right I don't have to tell you that it was a pine tree um, that was decorated with lights and, and ornaments and things and things under the tree, you know. But if somebody else from another culture is reading this, they sat around a tree, or they're imagining what? Maybe one of those potted trees that you get at Menards standing in the middle of the living room. That'd be kind of odd, right? So there's things that we talk about, things that we understand in this culture that we just don't need to talk about because it's all understood kind of in a picture in our heads. So, um, and, and we sing carols, right? We're not singing, 
what, a Zeppelin medley or something, right? Something like that. We're singing Christmas carols, right? So we'd understand that. But um, so, okay, so that part is clear. So we need to understand, again, what these people understood, what they saw, um, what they experienced, and how they related everything that they were seeing to what they already knew. So we get, let's get some of these um, historical customs and some uh, historical um, moments out in the open so we can understand this a little better because um, we're left with some questions here as we, as we read some of these things. And um, luckily for you, like I said, that's what motivates me and that's what I like to do. So um, again, I want to just apply this, this, this moment, this lesson that we're going to talk about. Uh, I want to apply it to our daily lives with the same conviction that these people did. Um, so we're going to see the people's reaction in a few minutes here. But first of all, I want you to know, you saw it when I was reading Matthew, tells us that all the Jews were there uh, when Jesus rode into town. Now, if you're curious like me, you should be wondering, first of all, what were these people doing there? And if we think back to our Sunday school lessons, we would think, well, they were there to see Jesus, weren't they? I mean, that's what we would get on a, you know, multiple choice. Josh is shaking his head because he knows, right? That's not why they were there, right? I mean, it's not like um, there was some kind of, you know, social media that Jesus said, I'm going to be riding into town, so everybody gathered there at this time on this day. You know, there's 360 days, 354 days, depending on what Jewish year you're in. There's a, what were all these people doing there in, in the city at this time, and what were they doing at this gate um, specifically? Because there's so many other gates in the city. You know, why did Jesus pick the eastern gate? Um, we need to understand also that the Eastern Gate had other names, and that's why where I got the title of this message this morning, the Golden Gate. I've got a map here of Jerusalem that's kind of busy. There's a lot of things going on there, but it kind of helps us put um, a lot of things in perspective. If you look kind of at the 3 o'clock position there, you see the Golden Gate. That's the Eastern Gate. That's the gate that we're going to be talking about. That's the gate that Jesus rode into town on, right? And then uh, there's some other things that you've got to be able to see there. Like, do you see the Mount of Olives just to the right of there? Um, you also see that this is, like I said, the Kindred Valley. This is where Jesus was riding over. Okay, so, uh, so, okay, so what, what are we talking about here, and, and why are we talking about it? Okay, so um, I want to go back to John's purpose statement that John gives um, in some of his writings. Um, 1 John 5.13 says, I have written these things to you uh, so that you ha may have eternal life, so that you know you, that you have eternal life. You who keep trusting in the person and the power of the Son of God. Keep trusting in the person and the power of the Son of God. That's why we're going over the names of God, right? Psalm 910 says, those who know your name trust you. Those who know who God is, those who know who Jesus is, put their trust in him. So I'm, I'm saying, you know, we shouldn't just blindly say love Jesus and have a nice day, right? I want to get a little bit of the nuts and bolts behind it. I want to get some, you know, some structure behind it so that we can know that who it is that we're putting our trust in. And that's what, that's what Lent is all about. That's what this whole series has been about, more about putting our trust in God. Okay, so why were all these people here on this day and why were they at this gate um, in particular, and the answer in no is not that they were here to see Jesus. Like I said, that's not what that's not what was going on here. So we need to know a little bit of background here. Um, Palm Sunday happened on what we would should actually be calling Lamb Selection Sunday. This is the tenth day of Nisan. This goes all the way back to when God was talking to Moses and saying, "This is going to be the beginning of the year. This is going to be the beginning of everything for you." So Lamb Selection Sunday. What happens on Lamb Selection Sunday? The high priest. Um, now start putting some of these dots together that I'm going to paint here for you, and you're, you're going to be able to make this little picture before I even have to tell you what it is. This day, every year, on the same day every year, the high priest leaves the city of Jerusalem and goes to Bethlehem, about four miles away, and he picks out a lamb. He picks out the perfect lamb for the Passover sacrifice, for the Passover sacrifice that's going to atone for the people's sins for the year. 
priest goes to Bethlehem because that's where the sacrificial lamb has to come from. Has to come from Bethlehem. I'm just going to say you've heard of Bethlehem before, right? In somewhere in the Bible it says something about Bethlehem somewhere, right? So the priest goes to Bethlehem, picks up a lamb, puts it up on his shoulders, and he carries it back to Jerusalem. He carries it back, and he goes through the eastern gate. Now, this is a big deal. This is the beginning of Passover, right? And there's a little rule in Jerusalem for, for Jewish people that you have to be in Jerusalem for Passover. And if you live, it's like, I'm at the top of my head, like 35 miles from the center of the city, um, you have, you're required to be there. And then um, it goes out in concentric circles after that because Jews lived all over the, the known world at the time. They were living all over the place. So um, you had to try to get back there if you could. So there's a lot of people there, right? And this is the event that we're here for. This is like kicking off the whole Passover week that I'm going to talk about here in a little bit in a little bit here. So he comes through and everybody wants to see this lamb that the high priest is carrying through. So he carries this lamb through and all the people are laying palm branches down to uh, signify that the lamb is coming through, the sacrificial lamb that's going to cover the sins of the world. So here the high priest comes through the east gate, the um, beautiful gate is referred to in Acts, the golden gate, the Susa gate, with the perfect lamb for the sacrifice, right? He comes through this gate because this leads directly up to the temple. Okay, so it's basically the main gate. All right, so now, again, Passover lamb, lamb of God to cover the sins of the year for the people. And they're here to celebrate this whole event, putting palm branches down, leaning their coats down for this lamb to, to pass over. Okay, now, this whole part that I just told you about, this moment in history, the, the, to, to the minute of history we're talking about here, this has all happened already. The priest has come through with the lamb. The crowds are still kind of there. You know, it's like the fireworks are over, and now, okay, you know, we're kind of talking about what we're going to do next. You know, if, if you're coming to Jerusalem, you know, it's like when I go to Madison with my kids, there's things that I want to do in Madison when I get there. I don't just drop somebody off and, and out of town. I want to do a couple things while I'm there. So they're like, oh, we're in Jerusalem. We want to do a couple things. So they're kind of talking about what's going to happen next. And, and then all of a sudden, this commotion starts up in the East Gate. Uh, coming up, and, and, and they're wondering, you know, first of all, who would be coming through this gate right now because it's kind of, you know, we shouldn't really be doing that today like this. And then they look, and there's a whole crowd coming through. And Matthew says, you know, the way Matthew pa paints it, um, there, Jesus didn't just walk places, you know. Again, if we look back at our Sunday school pictures, it's a very calm moment with Jesus on a, on a donkey, and, he, and he's kind of side saddle, and he's, he's riding in on this little donkey, and that's it. That's all that's happening, but that's not how it would have happened. Jesus has been uh, in ministry for three years now, over three years now. And he's done some amazing, mind-blowing things. Late, earlier in this week, he raised a guy that had been dead for four days, pulled him out of the grave. And a lot of these people knew it. And if he wasn't as popular uh, at that moment or wasn't incredibly popular, he was after that. Because everybody knew what had happened and everybody knew that that was one of the miracles that the Messiah was going to do when he came to this earth. So now here he is. So now, like I said, Jesus doesn't come through on just a donkey real calm and, you know, that's all there is to it. No, he's got a throng with him. He's got an entourage with him. And the way Matthew says it, the crowd that went before Jesus, right? Almost a make-way kind of crowd coming through. And then you got Jesus here on this donkey, and then you got disciples on both sides, almost like bodyguards keeping people away from him because that's how popular this guy is. And then you got a throng of people from behind him coming through, right? This is a big deal. This, so this isn't just a, a you know, snapshot of a moment, oh, by the way, kind of thing. This is a big deal coming through, and Jesus coming through with all of these things. Think of, um, just for a second now, I said earlier that we don't know everything that they knew. 
right? We don't know why they were at the East Gate. They knew why they were at the East Gate. Now we kind of get a better understanding of it. We know some things, though, that they didn't know. We know some things that they didn't know, right? I purposefully, probably blew you your mind, but I purposefully put, picked two Old Testament readings this morning. Usually we have an Old Testament reading and a New Testament reading. But I wanted to be in this historical moment. The New Testament hasn't happened yet. I want to be in this historical moment. I want to know what these people know, and I want to understand what these people know. Some of the things that we know that they didn't know, though, is that Jesus is from Bethlehem. Where do the sacrificial lambs come from? They come from Bethlehem. That's where they have to come from. That's why the Messiah had to be born in Bethlehem, according to Micah. The Bible tells us that Jesus was without sin, right? We don't really know that at this moment, kind of, parenthetically. One time Jesus' accusers accused him of sinning, and he said, which one are you accusing me of? Let's talk about it. And they were like, well, there was a time you... Uh, but then there was a, well, right? Stumbled over and they just ended up walking away. So now the people turn their focus to the real lamb of God. The actual lamb of God. Not the lamb that the priest walked through here a moment ago. They turn their attention to the lamb of God. Sticking with John for a moment here. John 1.29. You know, I've been reading this one a couple of times during this series. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Right? This lamb that the priest is carrying through is going to cover our sins for a year, but Jesus is going to take away the sin of the world. Not a lamb who needs to be replaced every year, but the lamb of God. And the people are thinking, this is the one we've been waiting for. This is the one literally we've been rehearsing this for every year. Right? We've been rehearsing, we've been practicing this. God promised to send the Lamb of God, the scriptures that we were reading, and a dozen more just like it in the Old Testament. But that Lamb would die once and for all. And John the Baptist said, this is the one. And now, he's getting carried through the eastern gate. Historically, back to historically speaking, for the next um, several days now, the Lamb that the priest carried through is going to be tied up, be taken well, uh, well taken care of, but people are going to come, and not everybody, but people are going to be come, coming over and be able to examine this lamb and make sure that it's perfect. Right? Make sure there's no blemishes, make sure there's no defects on it. Right? This is what it is. Now, um, I've told you before, but it bears repeating, um, and you can, you can fact check me on this one. A third, a full one-third of the Gospels happened from Palm Sunday on. The last week of Jesus' life, a third of the Gospels cover the last week of Jesus' life. Two-thirds of it setting it up, one-third of it taking the money shot. So what do we see there? Well, we see um, Jesus' accusers trying to find some fault in him. Right? What do we see with people looking at the lamb? We're making sure it's perfect. We're making sure it's without blemish. What are they doing to Jesus? They're basically doing the same thing. They just don't know it. But we know some stuff that they didn't know because we can look back at it now. And they found no fault in him. No one. None. They sent him to Pilate, and what did Pilate say? Literally verbatim in Luke 23, verse 4, Pilate said to the chief priests in the crowd, I find no fault in this man. I know I have every verse up here this morning, but if you look at verse 14 and verse 15, he says, I find no fault of him, and neither did Herod. We got no, this is the Jesus, the faultless lamb. So these are moments, again, we can experience when we dig a little bit deeper into the what we might call the Hebraic roots of the story and understand what these people knew and what they were thinking, what they were going through. This wasn't a moment of chance, right? This is a moment that God set up when he laid the foundations of the earth, as he says it. 
This wasn't just a, you know, a coincidence of all these people there. And Jesus said, well, i got to get there that day. No, he came in on Lamb Selection Sunday. The Lamb of God, born in Bethlehem, coming through, sinless, faultless. And like I said, just like I under, you understand about the Christmas tree I'm talking about, the readers of, of Matthew's, or all the Gospels, really didn't have to have these details laid out. But it sure helps us understand things a little bit better. And maybe this is what we need to hear to get us over the hump. Right? Of trusting who God is. Do we trust Jesus with our eternity? Right? Or do we think it's just a bunch of random facts that got thrown together? No, this is the plan from the very beginning. That God knew we were going to need, and so he, he applied it for us, and he, he, he set it up for us. But, now, alright, so that's just the setup part. What did the Lamb of God do for us that takes away the sin of the world? We see Jesus demonstrating um, his purpose we see Jesus demonstrating his purpose as he enters through the eastern gate, as he comes through the eastern gate on a donkey, right? And I think you maybe have heard me say this a couple years ago. So um, back in the day when countries were at war or were going to war each, with each other, um, not necessarily Israel. Israel was kind of, a, uh, you know, kind of a place where a lot of people went through on their ways from one place to another. So these armies would come up. And they'd appear up on the hills, and they'd be, appear over in different places. And um, they would make their intentions known right away. The armies, these other armies would make their intentions known right away. Are we here to attack you, or are we here just coming through? And there was one common way that was done to show their intentions. The king of that army would ride into the city. If he rode in on a horse that was a war horse, that meant we're coming to war. If he rode in on a donkey, it meant we were coming in peace. So even the way Jesus came into that town is of historical significance on a mission of peace. And that's a prophecy that we read a moment ago from Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. I have a hard time not singing this. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. He could have come in riding on a horse. He could have come in riding on a camel. He could have come in riding on an armadillo, right? But he rode a donkey. Why? Because of this significance right here. He was on a mission of peace. And that's what we see when we look at Jesus' mission statement. He's on a mission of peace. I thought about this earlier. He told Zacchaeus, right? He told Zacchaeus, the son of man, this is what he said to Zacchaeus, the son of man has come to seek and save the lost. To seek and save the lost. Well, how does Jesus save the lost? By making peace between us and God. By making peace between us and God. That's what Lent is all about, by the way. Growing in that peace that God gives us. Growing closer in our relationship with God. Because when we put our faith fully in Jesus, maybe I should say if we put our faith fully in Jesus, then, then the work that Jesus did here on earth brings us peace with God. I've got a couple of verses to show you that. Romans 5.1, it says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have what? Peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Why do we have peace with God? Because of what Jesus has done. Because of what you did? Sorry, no, wrong answer, because of what Jesus did for us. And I always say, you know, there's other verses to show this. I'm going to show another one, Colossians 1, 
19 and 20. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through Christ, God reconciled everything to himself. He made what? Peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Whole thing comes together. These are not just a bunch of random events that kind of bump into each other once in a while. No, they all fit together like a beautifully knitted sweater. I have more coming up on this, but we've got all Holy Week to to start unpacking of this. So I'm going to put a like say a bookmark in it for now. Because what we need to hear and what we need to know is that Jesus is our Prince of Peace. What does that mean? That means he makes peace between us and God because of the blood that he, sh- that he shed on the cross. And then I'll say it again, those who put their faith, but those who put their trust in Jesus, that's why we talk about trust so much, that these words help us trust who he is. We put our faith, we put our trust in him. Sometimes that says, we say, giving our hearts to Jesus, letting him into our hearts. However you want to look at it, those who do that will have salvation in his name. Salvation in his name. No longer enemies with God, but rather peace with God. Jesus came through the eastern gate, the golden gate on Lamb Selection Sunday as God's chosen lamb. The perfect lamb that takes away the sin of the world once and for all. So this moment is the beginning of the end for Jesus' first coming here on earth. And everything about it points us and brings us to salvation. Brings us to salvation and peace. Everything about it. Even coming into God's city, Jerusalem. Jerusalem means the city of peace. Came in riding on a donkey, the prince of peace, the king, coming in peace. And on specifically Lamb Selection Sunday, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Can't stop. Bringing salvation, bringing everlasting life to those who put their trust in him. Can I get an amen? All right, let's stand with me, please.